Well, I don't know what sort of week you've had, but mine has been a challenging one. And, uh, but first, before we get into all that, it's great to be in God's presence. You know, we're worshipping about the God of creation. Brilliant, you know, Jesus dying for us. What a saviour we are. We're worshipping. What a name he is. And then the word comes, you need some rest. And, you know, press in for rest. And, and God is amazing, isn't he? Like, he created everything He's, mar- he's vast, wonderful, creator God, and yet he comes to us in heaven with the numbers of people here saying, make an effort to get rest, because he knows us. He knows our form. He knows, knows what we need. And, and I just love that about God, you know, that he knows every detail, and he's the one who will provide. And so it's great to be in God's presence. So, you know, some people might think, he's so good online, you know, watching Hillsong. <laughs> But I'd rather be in the presence of God, you know, with the people of God, hearing from God, stirring us and challenging us. And so we're in the Advent season still. It's still upon us. And uh, normally this would be the carol service Sunday, right? And everything leads up to that in church life. You know, sometimes we start a bit later than we should. Probably mostly we start a bit later than we should. We get to end of November, think we've got Christmas coming and we plan for it. And we get to what would, like today's the eighth is the 18th and we'll be thinking this is the big day of celebration and then we do the Sunday and we can all go we've done it brilliant well wasn't that a lot of fun wasn't that great but we had to do it last week didn't we because uh we was all about the world cup and uh you know I don't know about you but um well it's Argentina v France I'm not overly bothered as long as Argentina don't win but anyway I've uh, I've laid my cards on the table but last week was brilliant right across Grace Church, you know, Kerry got baptised, a couple of people baptised in Chichester, three in Bognor. So what an amazing Sunday, loads of guests amongst us and uh, so exciting. And uh, it could feel like, well, what is today? You know, like we've had the highlight, as it were, the baptisms out in the freezing cold and stuff like that. But what about today? You know, is it just, well, let's get through today and we can get on with Christmas But I think it's so much more than that because it's good that we can slow down a bit and stuff like that. I think that's what God has been saying to us. But last this week we're looking at the Advent and we're looking at God's love. And what better subject to think about as we lead into Christmas? And I think it's fair to say we all we all want to be loved and we all want to we want to know what love is. And we watch films, don't we? I don't know about you that might have love as a theme. And uh, the other week, I don't know if any of you ladies went to, the, oh, there was a ladies' evening, weren't there, at the, at the Grace Centre, maybe some of you went. So my wife, Jenny, was there. She was there right early, five o'clock. So I had between five and ten t- freedom. <laughs> I mean, I probably shouldn't say it quite like that. It was so excitedly, but, but it, it was. And there was a World Cup game on, and uh, great, and... Uh, and then the World Cup game ended. I thought, what next? And, and I couldn't believe it. I started watching Titanic. <laughs> I know. That's why Jenny shouldn't go out for five hours at a time, right? And, and I was thinking about this. We love that. Well, maybe we don't love Titanic. But we can love those sort of films that are all sort of, you know, lovey-dovey and all that sort of thing. And, and then music as well. You know, I'm not big onto music. But um, I thought to myself, what? you know, I was thinking about songs. And they say some crazy things don't they about love and uh um, i don't know but i used to like bob marley now i don't know any, yeah, oh that's good 
everyone likes a bit of Bob Marley, surely. But anyway, he sung this song, and I was weighing up, do I actually sing these words, or just say... <laughs> I know. I'd already decided I'm going to do it, right? Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone down that route. And it's something like, it's something like this. Those of you who remember Bob Marley can probably think... I don't think it went quite like this, but anyway, he says this. Is this love, is this love that, is this love that I'm feeling? I got to know, I got to know, I got to know now. Gemma, you sound like you, you can remember that song, right? Brilliant. I should have got you up here. That's right. Now, I don't know about you. Do you have these? What's, what's your songs? You know, like this is the moment for you. You've got one minute and then there's no more audience participation, right? It's just me. <laughs> but uh, what are the things? You know, tell me some like love songs that you listen to or have listened to that maybe shaped you. I thought they're a bit weird. Got any ideas? I want to hold your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Anyone else? Come on. Hey, Gemma, you've got to follow me around. Whenever I'm preaching, I, I want you in the room. That's brilliant. That's, no, that, that'll do. I can see we're like not quite on. No, no. Gordon, have you got a song? No, I don't think you have. <laughs> well, look, the world obviously experiences love and knows something about love. But often it is thrown away when, we no longer, when it no longer meets our needs. You know what I mean? That sort of, oh yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in for this relationship or whatever it is. Until it's somewhere not working for me. I don't know if you remember, there was an advert maybe two years ago or something like that for um, the television license. And this couple, in 30 seconds, there's this story of this couple. They meet, they fall in love blah, 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 and then they say, it's not working, it's not me, it's you, and that sort of thing. And that's how quickly the world can view love. And uh, we know in God there is so much more. And today, one week before Christmas, it is a week away, isn't it? Yeah. I want to remind you about the love of God. So when I said, you know, it's this week, the 18th, we've done the carol service, it was amazing. Today, it's not like, let's just put something together quick. We're going to come and look at some verses in the Bible that, that talk about the love of God. And that's, you know, if we grasp a bit more of that, this is the best Sunday ever, right? And I love being in the presence of God because he teaches us each time we come together and experience his love. So we're going to look at some verses. I think this is where I use this thing. Brilliant. How about that? Right, John 3, 16 to 18. I reckon most of us in this room are familiar with this. I'll read it and then we'll get on with some, some stuff. So it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And, uh, you know, like I said, they're familiar verses to us. And Advent, the coming of love, the coming of Jesus. Jesus made visible amongst us, made manifest amongst us. The Son of God who was active in all creation at the beginning of creation, came to earth. It says, it says, so loved the world. The Son of God who was active in all creation in perfect harmony with his Father and with the Holy Spirit came to earth. 
And I think it's quite incredible. We can often think, well, you know, it's a nice little plan and Jesus came. But he left, he left heaven with, 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 with the Father and, and the Holy Spirit. And this is quite a key thing, really, because he was in perfect harmony with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Perfect unity. And I don't know about you, I've not been in too many times, if ever, when there's perfect unity. There has been unity, but we're human, right? And we're flawed. But God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, this perfect unity, this perfect harmony, and God sent his Son to the earth. And the C.S. Lewis, we've probably heard of, describes the unity of the triune God as like a dance in perfect step one with another. The triune God is complete without you and me. He didn't need us. He doesn't need us. Complete on his, in and of himself, God. But God loves us so much that he sent his son. And it says in John 17 verse 24, it says this, Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. And John 3.35 says, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. There's this sense through the word that there's perfect unity in the Godhead. And yet Jesus comes to earth out of that backdrop. And this is the scandal of Christmas, really. This is the outrageous grace of Christmas. God so loved the world. It wasn't like, you know, you're in a mess. I better do something about it. Or, I started this, I better finish it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus coming to earth, leaving behind this perfect unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit, leaving the glories of the heavenly places to come to earth. Born of a teenager, a young girl in a stable, taking on human flesh. And even in that, you know, we can easily, if you've been around a while, and even if you haven't, we know the Christmas story, right? And taking on flesh, I mean, it's one thing to take on flesh you know, if you're the perfect 21-year-old, and I don't see too many in this room, but anyway, you know, maybe you could consider that might be acceptable. But he took on flesh as a baby. And if you, you know, you, we would all know this, right? A baby needs full attention. A baby needs a clean nappy with some regularity. I'm out of touch, right? So I won't put a figure on it, but you know what I mean. Needs this bottom changing needs to be fed, needs to be clothed, needs to be nurtured. And this is what God did. It's quite remarkable that he sent his son as a baby, took on flesh in that way. And next time, you know, and also I think, what would my plan be? Well, it wouldn't be Bethlehem. It would be in a palace or the city centre, Rome, something like that. But he sends a baby, puts on flesh, and comes to Bethlehem in a stable. And next time you see a cute baby, or even a not-so-cute baby, right? Because they all look very similar, don't they? But, you know, um, you know, I can see one or two glares there. But anyway, next time you see another cute baby, <coughs> it's a, I think it's worth just a little reminder. Jesus 
came into the world just like that for you and for me. Remind yourself, Jesus put on flesh because of his great love. And this is what love looks like to seek and to save the lost. This is what Jesus did through his coming to seek and save the lost. This act, the ultimate sacrifice, a sacrifice beyond compare. But there's so much more. It is a sacrifice and what Jesus did. God, it says in 1 John 4, God is love. It's not just through what he did. It's, it's, his, it's not just his actions. He's full of love. It's so deep. God is love. That is who he is. His very essence is his love. That is why he is deeply satisfied in the Trinity, God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, because there's perfect love. And for me, it's sometimes hard to, to grasp that. And, but that's okay, right? Because God is infinite and I'm very finite. And I can grasp some of it and I can understand it in part. But we look at God and his love is perfect because that is his very essence. He is love. Perfect love existing perfectly. Verse 17 in John 3 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And the world needs saving. I think we probably all agree with that. And you and I needed saving or need saving. We've sinned, we fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, we're separated from God. There is God's love and God's justice and God's wrath. He's not like a forgetful grandparent. Any grandparents in the room? There's a few, yeah. And I'm, I'm one now, I've been for a little while. And, and I, so when I wrote this, I thought, well, that's me. <laughs> Quite forgetful at times, you know. But he's not like that. His wrath has to be met. The justice has to be met. And that's how you see his perfect love even further. He is love. But even in that justice, you know, because sometimes that can be a challenge for us. But, you know, we know justice matters. We put on the TV and we see some terrible events and we go, that's not right. Something needs to change. Someone needs to be, be to held to account for what, that, what they have done. That might be on an international level. That might be right in our own personal world. It matters. Sin matters. Doesn't that make it even more compelling that Jesus died for us while we were against him? In the middle of all this, of us being against him, he sends his son. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. 1 John 4.10 It's got 9 as well up there, but it says in verse 10, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Because we've all messed up, we know that. But Jesus appeased that wrath. He paid the price in full. Jesus atoned for every mess up that we've ever made, that you and I have ever, ever made. Every single one. He loves us. And when we grasp this, and to be honest, I don't always grasp it. That's why I love coming to church, right? Because suddenly my eyes are open again. When we grasp this, we're struck with awe. It humbles us. 
and it causes us to worship him. It changes us. And this doesn't necessarily mean you go around happy all day with a big smiley face or you're first to raise your hands on a Sunday morning when we come to worship. Though that may definitely be the case and that may happen and I definitely would advocate for experiencing the presence of God. But I think it can go even deeper than that. Through pain, sadness, loss, troubles of all different sorts, even through suffering, we can know something so deep that is not rooted just in our feelings, but in in our understanding that God is love. He paid the ultimate price and he loves me. And we know the love of God in part, but a day is coming when Jesus will return and we'll know that love in its fullest measure, in its entirety. And in the waiting, we can have a certain hope. And it's a hope that's not like fingers crossed type hope. It's a certain hope. And we can know joy and revel in our God who is love. Whoever believes in him, it says, is not condemned. Have you ever felt condemned? Ever felt like the disappointment of God? Have you ever asked the question, how can God love me? You lot don't know what I've done or what I've experienced or what I've been through. And when I say have you ever known the disappointment of God, you might think you have, but God's not disappointed in us. You know, we have an enemy who wants to steal and rob and destroy. And we need to embrace the love of God because it's not dependent upon you and it's not dependent upon your behaviour or mine. It's not dependent upon your past. It's not even dependent upon your moral compass. None of us are good enough. None of us. The best person in the room Mother Teresa, whoever else you want to pick, none of us are good enough. We all fall short. And sometimes I think it's sort of like a little bit unsophisticated to tell Satan where to get off, right, and say, I'm not having it. You know, it's sort of, I think it was a little bit more of that type of conversation or discussion or phrase way back. But, you know, the devil comes to trip us up with regularity. And I think we need to be a bit more... I'm not having this. You're a liar. God loves me because he is love. He sent his son to die for me. He came to earth. He took on flesh because of his love and he doesn't condemn me. He wants to save me and he saved me. So don't be too sophisticated. Don't think like I can't you know, tell the devil he has no place. He has no jurisdiction over my life if you're a Christian. And sometimes we can easily slip into a a works-based gospel. If I do X and Y and Z, then I'll earn God's favour. And uh, I've been a Christian a a long time now. And it can slowly, slowly slip back in. That I'm going to, you know, it's not like we make a decision, but somehow it slips into the way we live. And so it's important, preach the gospel to yourself daily. When you get up in the morning, God is for me. God loves me. He sent his son to die for me. My sin is gone. It's forgiven. Every part of it. 
preach the gospel to yourself daily. It's ongoing. I continually need to marvel at the gospel, to know God's love, to be soaked in his love. Too often, I can go in my own strength, which is a bit silly, really, because I don't have a lot of it. God's love manifests in his son. I need him. I need his Holy Spirit. And he wants to remind us that not only is he love and he loves us, that we're adopted into his family. That's who we are. We're sons and daughters of God. Can't be removed. No matter what you do, can't be removed from the family of God. What a joy that is. So when the enemy comes to tell you you're no good, you're rubbish, you don't belong here. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what God says over your life. You're a son or a daughter of God. Can't be removed. Jesus brings redemption. He doesn't bring guilt. He doesn't bring condemnation. He doesn't bring shame. And the result of the love of God is it grows. We love God because he first loved us. Firstly, our love grows for God. But also in our love for one another. We might prefer one another. We do things because we care for one another. And that's not going back to a different gospel because we're good, kind people and there's something moral about us. It's because of what he's done. He's changed us. And church is a brilliant place, a wonderful place. It's not perfect. You know that, right? It's not perfect. I know that. Because we're not perfect. But the love of God is being established in our hearts and we can't help but to express this. When things go wrong, there's forgiveness, there's restoration, there's reconciliation, there's acts of kindness that go on around church that we only get a little glimpse of because God has changed our lives. Not because in this room or any other room where there's people of God gathered, it's the love of God changed us that affects us and causes us to love one another. And the world will know of Jesus because of our love for one another. It extends further, not just in this room. It, it extends to our neighbours. And we know our neighbours are pretty much, not just one side, either side, it's pretty much everyone. And we know that we're a work in progress, right? We know we let people down, we let ourselves down from time to time, or even more than that. But my experience is that almost everyone who comes to Christ has had a Christian show them kindness and sees this action in the local church. The love of God is tangible, can be experienced and runs deeper than anything else I've ever experienced. And it's all God's doing. But we do have a part to play. Well, first of all, we get up on a Sunday morning, don't we? I was going to say half nine, but it's a lot earlier than that because there's a lot of work to do in this setup. But we do that, don't we? We make a start. And it's, it's, the love of God's tangible, but we do have a part to play. And this is the last uh, Bible verse in Jude. It says, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Because we know it's a work of God, what's, that, what's happened when we were born again, when we were transformed. But we have this part to play. How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Well, we do it together. 
I love being in church because I, I, you know, that was the environment I grew up in and I, I know that I would not survive without one another. That's how God's put it together. We need each other. It's good to gather together, whether it's on a Sunday, other times, life groups, prayer meetings. And these are ways we keep ourselves in the love of God. I don't know about you, but um, like, you know, it's been a bit of a challenging week, but we all have challenging weeks. And I come here and, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, oh, suddenly I'm in the presence of God. And that's why it's so important. How do I keep myself in the love of God? I'm with the people of God. Francis Chan, who you may have heard of, is a pretty radical Christian guy. If you read one of his books, you've finished the last page, you think, not really sure I am a Christian in comparison, but I am. But you know what I mean. He's leading the way. And he says, he says sometime, not that long ago, but maybe a year or two ago, something along the lines of, I encounter God when I'm with the people of God. He said, so I get with the people of God. And that's one way of keeping in the love of God, keeping ourselves in the love of God. Find the promises, keep in the word of God. Find the promises that we can meditate on and pray them into our lives. And I'm just going to read some verses that, that I think, for me, can often help me to remind myself, this is what I need to be doing. And they're, they're quite well known. Ephesians 3 says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Strengthened with power. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of God and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Imagine praying that into your life on a regular basis. It doesn't mean you always have this overwhelming feeling of the love of God. But imagine that. And obviously we can pick many, many verses in the Bible. But there's a way of us keeping ourselves in the way of God, in the love of God. Jesus came and made manifest among us, lived the perfect life, took on sin, said it is finished. He died on our behalf rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father and is seated at his right hand, ruling and reigning. And it was meant, I think Guy mentioned it earlier, and he's interceding for you. Wow, the love of God. So when we think about, you know, was last week the highlight? Yeah, of course it was. But this week's the highlight. And next Sunday's the highlight. And tomorrow morning can be the highlight as we find ourselves in the love of God. And we've got a bit of time. And, I, and Alice, is Alice in the... In the oh, good. <laughs> I thought for a moment I was going to have to do... Anyway, you've heard my singing. It don't go well, does it? Alice, if you wouldn't mind coming up and uh, the band. Because... <laughs> We've got time to worship and we, I want us to worship God for who he is, first and foremost. God is love. 
And then we can, out of that, we can love God for what he's done in our lives, whether we feel excited about it today or not. And you might be someone who maybe you haven't kept yourself in the love of God so much recently, for whatever reason. What I love about this is we come as we are. And in a moment, that can change. We can be in the love of God. And all it takes is us just turning around, saying, oh, I'm going after you again, Jesus. I've messed up a bit, or whatever it might be. Or I've just drifted. I repent of that. I'm coming to you, Jesus, my Saviour, the Lord. And so we're going to come and worship. And I'm going to read these verses over us, a few more verses. Don't hurt to read the Bible. <laughs> and, and that we can be soaked in the love of God this morning. And it says this in Romans 8, familiar verses again, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, we thank you. Why don't we stand? Lord, I thank you for your love. Lord, you are so for us. Lord, we know we mess up, but you love us and you sent your son, the, the advent, the lo love coming down. Jesus, you, you made yourself manifest and you lived a perfect life and you died for us that we might know the love of God. So Lord, we come right now and we worship you. We adore you, Jesus. You're worthy of all our praise. Lord, we are recipients of the greatest love ever thank you lord amen let's worship jesus <laughs>